Hey, this is Eugene Rapkin, and you're listening to the Style Zeitgeist Podcast. Hi, everyone. I am here with Philippe Hashemi, critic, editor, journalist, coach, uh, a good friend. And it is our tradition to uh, go over each season of fashion once the shows are over. And this season that just passed has been uh, fall, winter 23 menswear which is what we're going to concentrate on it and uh yeah welcome philippe hello eugene how are you good to hear your voice again thank you likewise i can't wait to get into this with you because i know we've also spoken a couple of times already uh while we were both in paris uh i'm going to prepare everyone you didn't like anything (laughs) (laughs) there are a few exceptions not many but yeah so i uh i was (laughs) i would say i was quite more optimistic uh so i think this would be good because maybe we'll disagree about a few things and also you know let's challenge each other and our audience um to think uh outside our uh perceived um boxes uh, but let's start. We were we were both there uh, for for part of it. We were both uh, at the, we both started at Pizza Uomo, which was great. It was really lovely to see you and have lunch together and uh, go to shows together. And uh, we both skipped Milan, <laughs> as is our custom, yes. uh, for reasons we're gonna go into. And uh, then we were reunited in Paris, uh, even though I think embarrassingly for the fashion industry, I know you said you didn't get quite a few tickets that you used to get, which is, I find, appalling. Yeah, this happened. I don't know why. And then there was a national strike as well going on. There were a lot of disruptions, which made it in a way quite challenging. I know a lot of editors and journalists were tired, you know, and a little bit uh, fed up. But yeah, it was a strange climate in Paris compared to Florence. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I thought, uh, well, I was thinking just, I guess there are uh, too many influencers now that that need tickets to shows. And um, maybe they don't want journalists. You know, maybe... They need people like Style. And the shows seem to be getting smaller as well. I mean, I don't know if you notice, but it seems a lot of designers want to have more intimate events, which is, you know, a contradiction because everything is on li- is live on the internet. But sometimes I feel that they want to reduce the number of attendees as well. So I don't know. It could be a combination of different things going on. Yeah, I completely agree with you, actually. I noticed that as well, and I thought, okay, so that means just the inviting uh, people with large Instagram audiences and relying on them and on themselves to uh, transmit it to their audiences uh, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I, I guess who needs fashion journalists? And who needs uh, critics, right? <laughs> who needs critics when you <laughs> when you have sycophants? <laughs> when you have sycophants, who needs critics? I have to say, and uh, I've talked about it with a few people. 
It's like this style.com guy seems like a particularly egregious example. Where a couple of people told me like this is literally nothing. Like, and no. he's praised as uh, he's like a fashion media darling now. And I looked at his Instagram, and it's it really is literally nothing. He just says this is happening. That is happening. I'm here right now, and I don't even know what to say to that. And I wonder, is that is that what designers want? Is that what brands want today? I mean, that's possibly the only thing that people remember <laughs> from the shows. <laughs> I don't know. It's like a very, very brief way to summarize what's going on. And by the way, uh, looking at this kind of phenomenon right now, on, on Instagram, I was talking to an editor, somebody I've known for a really long time in Paris, who told me that he noticed that a lot of people just don't talk about the clothes anymore. They only talk about the celebrities or whoever's sitting front row at most shows and that he found that very, very odd. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so that's also something I think that goes with that sort of fame thing, you know, and uh, that influencer culture that it's all about celebrity and, and who is there as opposed to who's wearing what, you know? Yeah, 100%. And because I, what I noticed, I began receiving emails. Usually it's after a collection will be an email uh, from mm -hmm. the PR. Here's the collection, here are the assets, you know, here's the press release, here are the photos. Now I've gotten a couple of emails. Here is the front row and celebrities. At and that's separate emails that you get specifically yeah. for that. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I don't care about this crap. Like, this is the least interesting part. It's true, it's but it, it seems to be that many people actually report on that first and foremost, you know? So I think that's also quite a recent development and it's funny because you thought that celebrity thing was over i mean with the oh. pandemic but it's coming back now you know oh big time big yeah. time yeah big time yeah for, for me the most hilarious celebrity sighting go... oh okay which one okay. was oh, it you, you don't want to talk about celebrities philippe fine fine <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll... i was thinking i was thinking i want to go back to florence where it was you know celebrity free that was really nice uh, all right. think, that, know... that is true <laughs> and i think also pt womo they always make a point of actually they're very nice people and they make a point of inviting characters and strong personalities in fashion they're not scared by critical people so you find mm -hmm. these people there sitting at the shows and i think that's very nice that they have that sort of respect for for people like us you know it's uh, it's comforting in a way yeah i agree so, well fine then i'm not gonna tell you that uh david beckham came to rick owens's show oh my god really? <laughs> oh, yeah god, no. in a white t-shirt and it was like zero celsius outside of course you know i mean <laughs> It's just it's just reality does not apply to these people. I mean, they're, they're gods, right? So that's how yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. You need, need to show off those uh, fading tats. But anyway, <laughs> yes. uh, let's yeah, let's start at Pitiomo because it it was it was a really lovely, intimate start of the fashion month, and then just everything went downhill after. Yes, uh, I agree. Um, yeah, it was a very good start, very promising start, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so let's begin with our mutual friend Jan Jan Vanesh. Um 
it was really lovely to see him being invited to Pizziomo, be guest designer, put on his first show. He's been flying under the radar for so long. And not only he's a talented designer, he's just a really nice person, which is, okay, we're supposed to talk about the clothes, but it's also refreshing. Definitely. I mean, I've known Yan for more than 10 years. I think I was one of the first people who interviewed him in Belgium. And what is so nice about this guy is that he hasn't changed. And he was so chilled in Florence and so relaxed. You know, he tends to be this way. He tends to be very laid back, always taking everything everything with a pinch of salt. You know, he has a, a really funny sense of humor as well. And he seemed very happy and he seemed content with everything, satisfied. And, and the feeling I got from the show was also very moving, peaceful, powerful, but you know, it was soft power. That's what I really liked about it. It really gave me this feeling of gentle, confident clothes, you know, and um, everything from the dancers to the music, to the pace of the show, to the actual venue that they picked was perfect. So it was definitely a, a very strong moment. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I talked to Yan Yan and he said that actually there was not a lot of newness in that collection. He kind of wanted to uh, familiarize the new audience uh, with his body mm -hmm. of work. So there are yeah. a lot of what are classics by now. It's hard to believe this brand has been in existence for what, 12, 13 years by now. It, everything seems like yesterday. It's crazy how... Uh, yeah, and you know what was odd as well? I don't know if you got this too, but while I was watching the show, I, it sort of reminded me of early Damir and also some some Japanese uh, designers like Issei or Yoji had that sort of vibe to it mm -hmm. and a very, a very spiritual um, take on fashion, which is something we hardly see nowadays, you know? So that was also quite unexpected and and I really felt that it was him you know that every look on the runway was something that he would wear himself so it was completely authentic and I think we respond to that much better now and we understand it because we've known him for so long but for a new generation it's also exciting to see clothes like that you know because they're subtle they're interesting they're they're not in your face and mm -hmm. they require education, knowledge, patience. So I thought that was really, really nice as a message. You know. Yeah, I agree. And I also like that Yan Yan is very comfortable with his version of multiculturalism, which he mm -hmm. obviously uh, filters through his own lens. And he's not the only designer. What I like, there were a couple of instances, and I'm running ahead a little bit, but it's for a reason. There were a few instances where a couple of designers began very quietly, but pushing back uh, at this, you know, PC cancel culture overreach and this uh, toxic cultural appropriation narrative. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think Yan Yan is a great example of a designer who's been uh, working with multicultural references for so long. And it's so authentic and respectful in the way he does yes. that, that I really hope he becomes an example for young designers not to 
censor themselves, uh, but really go back to being inspired by different cultures and of course putting their own stamp uh, on what they do. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. No, he's a very good illustration of this. And I think also, like, like I said, it's his sincerity that comes across, you know, and there's, he doesn't try to sell you anything. He has no pitch, you know, he's just the way he is and everything is very natural. It's very sort of organic and it's, it's always been this way. So, um, I think now more than ever, we really appreciate that kind of personality because it's sort of, you know, discreet, but at the same time, very sure of what he wants and what he likes. You know, he's very definite about his vision, which is, which is lovely. Yeah. 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 I agree. And what did you think of Martin Rose, which was the other show at PT Uomo? I have to say that I talked to her during the press preview and I was quite excited because I liked her as a person and she really gave me a, a good feeling. And it sounded very ambitious how she wanted to reconcile uh, Italian traditions with that sort of London spirit. And when I watched the actual show, I, I felt a little bit like something was missing for me. You know, it could have gone much further, I guess, uh, into that sort of exploration. And uh, in a way, I didn't really see much that excited me, to be honest with you. Yeah. How did you feel about it? I felt quite similarly, I would say. So I am getting a bit tired of this crop of young designers who exist in their own, like, Bushwick, uh, Hackney bubbles, and they can't seem to get out of it. And, and like what they see, they're offering. And I feel like Martin Rose is one of them, and Egon Lab in Paris was another. It's this bubble of like this is what we wear, this is what we offer. It's and it's to me, it all looks like an elevated version of thrifting which is very hot mm -hmm. right now. Uh, but it's not enough for me in terms of design. Um, yeah. And for some reason, and I don't exactly know what the reason is, it doesn't seem underground. It doesn't seem countercultural, which is what all these things are supposed to be, right? Because they're supposed to be about subcultures and youth cultures and underground uh, enclaves of creative people who sort of stand against this pop culture but it doesn't feel like that like if anything it's funny I, I was walking on the Lower East Side uh, this past weekend and I felt that same thing again where I thought and you know this is a very popular now uh, we have this place called Dime Square, which is already sort of like it has its own mythology as this kind of Manhattan hipster La La Land. And I was thinking, you know yeah. what? I prefer Soho because at least their consumerism is honest and naked. <laughs> uh, you know, like in, in the same way, like I would prefer someone like, I don't know, Britney Spears over Blink-182, right? <laughs> because you know, she's, she's not trying to pretend anything other than what she is. And that's what I get with these 
fashion hipster brands is what I call them. And it's, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there is substance there. It feels like 100% surface. I think it's in a way, you know, I, watching the show it sort of reminded me of course of early vetements and it reminded me of of you know Demna's vision because of course Martine was involved she was doing the menswear for Balenciaga and it's this sort of ordinary ugly aesthetic mm -hmm. you know and when she talked about it, it it was it was kind of interesting because you could explore it in in so many different ways but when I watched the show, it sort of did not appeal to me, uh, you know, from like a very instinctive, like a, a deep feel. I didn't get like a gut feeling that I was not responding to it, you know. Mm -hmm. But I can understand intellectually how some of it can be interesting. But at the same time, it felt a little bit old, you know, this kind of right. sort of ugly, normal, generic thing. It, it feels like something that's a little bit, in the past so um yeah yeah it didn't really feel current you know yeah, somehow yeah yeah oh maybe a little bit i guess solipsistic is the word that i was trying to look for you know very mm -hmm. self-referential of like here's my own little enclave um it mm -hmm. didn't yeah it did not speak to a wider world, I guess. No, and actually, the, the funny thing is that she kept stressing uh, during the interview, she kept stressing how she felt uncomfortable not being in her environment. And I think she found that very challenging. So she had friends come over, you know, to do the mm -hmm. show that she knew. And the idea was to mix them with locals. But at the end of the day, you know, it did feel more like a familiar thing. Um, at the same time, as a person, I really found her engaging and warm and interesting, and I didn't expect that. So, uh, you know, I was surprised by her personality. Um, to yeah, that's something that you know appealed to me the way she was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Oh, one more thing I would like to know is I am so done with fake fur. <laughs> yes. I am so done with fake fur and I'm just going to put it on record fake fur is polyester of the worst mm. kind it is Be yeah. because it releases these uh, micro particles mm -hmm. into the air into the water supply and it just if you don't want to use fur just don't use it at all it's fine you know there there are types of clothes we don't wear anymore we don't wear cut pieces we don't wear corsets if we want to leave fur in the past let's just do it i don't see a reason to bring this fake fur and it was my my pet peeve that i talked about we all mm -hmm. talk about sustainability but i've never seen so much polyester in my life yeah, that's true. Literally. No, I mean, I mean, probably you will you will know that I I wear vintage uh, real fur and I I like real fur and my vision of it is that you know a coat can be thirty to forty years old and still be in incredible shape and it was so cold in Paris it was really freezing this time and actually so quite a few people wear real fur mm -hmm. and. Um, I didn't get any comments from nobody. No, no one said nothing, you know? Yeah. 
And it's sort of funny because I agree. I mean, if you're going to, even when you show fake fur, you're still using the look of fur. You're still referring to it. So it's completely hypocritical. You know, it's basically saying we're giving you the same vibe, the same sort of, the same referencing, but we're, we're polluting you even more with plastics. <laughs> That's what it is. So it's exactly. Uh, yeah, I find this whole conversation, like, I mean, the, the fake fur thing is stupid, definitely. Yeah, so. no, I agree. And I think vintage fur is the only way to go. It's like, okay, use yeah, what's already there. Uh, don't don't make anything new, but don't... You know, and this 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 whole controversy, just to touch on that very briefly with, with Schiaparelli and with the animals, you know, the animal heads and things. I mean, I, in a way, I would have preferred if he had used, you know actual uh, I mean actual animals in the sense that you know I would have preferred it to be uh, now I forgot the word but you know people taxidermy uh, take dead animals yeah exactly mm -hmm. thank you I think taxidermy would have been a more honest thing because I consider taxidermy to be an art and there are people who do it and they're very good at it and they're very passionate about it and I think it's quite poetic in a certain way so uh, you know just the same way that McQueen used it or other designers did or even Galliano um, yeah I think there's something about that that was also very strange and and people's reactions to it were completely like disproportioned I thought, yeah. you know, that was also very strange. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Then if they'd rather have fake fur, they can have it. But it, it is not sustainable at all. Yeah, so. I completely agree. No, yeah, this whole polyester thing, it's hard. I walk into some stores and like... If you put a match to this, like that store will burn in five <laughs> yes. minutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's flammable fashion. <laughs> yes, just burn, baby, burn. Yeah. yeah it's, um... Yes. Well, anyway, anyway, the Apiti was was nice. I mean, there was a good energy that I felt like you know, as the opening of menswear season, it was exciting and it felt. It felt nice and dynamic, and and there was a good a good vibe there. And and I, we skipped we both skipped Milan, obviously. But when I went to Paris, I, I just didn't feel that energy at all. It was completely different. So um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but let's talk about Milan anyway, and because <laughs> it was so dismal this time, I don't it even was really know. Bad. Uh, and yeah, I guess. I don't even know if it's worth discussing Prada anymore. It was kind of, we already expected what we saw in a way, right? This kind of enervated, sad, like, lifeless clothes. Yeah. I don't even know what yeah, to say. I mean, like, No, I mean, I felt that it, it, it reminded me of uh, Italo Zucchelli's work at Calvin Klein, except that... Italo had much more energy, you know, and yeah. he was he was doing things that felt more masculine and that had more more seduction, more power. Mm -hmm. And this was very dry, you know. But I, I thought a lot about this. It's a little bit like Alaya now by Peter, you know, and it's also in a way sort of stripping the seduction away and stripping mm -hmm. the sexuality away. And I've been thinking about this recently. I'm like, okay, so is this modern, you know, this sexless um vision of people is that what modernity is you know and yeah. it seems to be what the rough school advocates you know it seems to be anybody that's been with rough ends up being this way you know in mm -hmm. this sort of 
cold bunker, sexless, seductionless modernity. Yeah. So yeah, I um, yeah, I think that's what I, I don't understand why people find this modern, but okay, whatever. You know, it's uh, no, I agree. It was very sexless, but and I think we disagree on this one. I feel like Prada is Prada herself is also sexless. And has been for a while. I don't know. This whole like schoolgirl uniform, you know, mm -hmm. for like long skirts and a cardigan, it's not like a sexy true, librarian of Veronique Branquinho. It's really. Yeah. It's kind of stern. Yeah, it's a good observation. I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but it's true that you don't really see the, you know, the dangerous crocodile high heels and the sort of sexy dresses no more. You know, it's sort of, no, she's not really making that kind of statement. But my feeling is that she's she's sort of absent now. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't felt her own voice in the collections for a really long time. So I don't know exactly what she does there, but I'm not, I'm not feeling her spirit. I'm feeling mm -hmm. rough. Raf's energy a lot more than hers, you know, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think she's sort of quietly uh, stepping down, you know. Yeah. The only thing I will say in the in the defense of this collection, and I only thought about it uh, a few days ago. Everyone is going volume, and they went skinny. And and it is classic Raf. Mm -hmm. Raf, if you think about it, he has done that quite a few times before, yeah. changing up the silhouette and quite radically, uh, I would say. So that was like the only thing, but it wasn't enough because it wasn't enough in the clothes to buttress the silhouette. Um, no, and then there was a lot of oversized shapes again, and then a goddamn bomber again. Here we go. I mean, how many rough bombers are we going to see in a product collection? <laughs> he's, it's getting he's, really tired. It's carpet bombing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, it's like, I mean, nylon, leather, like velvet, whatever. It's like, please just stop with the bombers. Stop it. You know, it's like, yeah. I mean, we've seen so many of them. I don't know that. I, I, I mean, I agree what you say. Maybe visually you could remember that there were skinny pants and you would remember that because that looks kind of fresh in a way. But there's nothing new about it. And he did it for Jill Sander as well. He did it for the, for the women's wear. You know, he did that silhouette before, the sort of like looser jacket and the really, really slim pants. He did that for women, you know, so there's nothing, nothing new about that. And um, I don't know. And it feels like it's just rehashing the same silhouette and the same look all over again until until you're sick of it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think this time, like J.W. Anderson, one up them because he was like, "Fuck it, no one's no one's trying anything. I'm just gonna send like rolls of fabric down the runway. We don't even have to take the fabric and make clothes out of it. We're just I, gonna I send." Thinking, like, <laughs> is there an actual collection, or did they run out of time? Because I'd be really curious to know what was in the showroom because there was nothing on the runway. I mean, it was mostly skin. And yeah. uh, skin and boots and, you know, was it supposed to be uh, something about the fetish or whatever? I, sometimes I find it's so puzzling and it's so, it's so confusing that I don't even know what he's trying to say. And, you know, uh, that collection, 
I just didn't understand it. I think I just didn't know what it was about. I just yeah. didn't feel it did not. Uh, it did not speak to me in any ways. You know. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. I think this was okay. just a very lazy effort. And uh, you know what I said on my Instagram <laughs> when the production manager was like, well, we need 46 looks, but you only made clothes for 23. And JW was <laughs> like, well, just split them up. You know, you'll have the pants for one look and the and the coats for the other look. Because you I mean, saw what the is, look. <laughs> what is interesting in a way, because I know that he's also somebody who who is bored with certain things in fashion. And I think he's trying to mm. shake things off in a certain way. And he's looking for alternatives, but sometimes it works. And sometimes it comes across as being a bit clumsy um, or forced or whatever. And I felt that this was this kind of thing. I mean, I just didn't get into it at all. And I felt that a lot of things we had seen from him before. Yeah. Uh, also, but okay, the worst collection in Milan had to be Gucci. I mean, that was really, <laughs> I, I just, it took me a few days to digest how bad it was. And uh, the amazing thing was that you could tell that there was no designer there anymore. It was right. unbelievable. I mean, it was everything and nothing. It was a complete mess. It was like, you know, it was like Sandro or like these kind of brands that mm -hmm. copy Eddie Sliman and all that stuff. It was really derivative of these brands that already copy others, you know? Yeah. And uh, there were things I didn't understand at all. Like there were flash dance leggings. There were ugly, ugly shoes. Uh, things were tight. Things were oversized. I mean, these kind of, I don't know, like... Um, uh, tank tops as well. I just didn't understand how it was Gucci, you know, how mm -hmm. it felt like Gucci in any sort of way. And you must have seen who they nominated recently. You know, it's yeah. a guy who worked for Valentino. And I think they want to turn it into the new MS, but, you know, good luck. Good luck good with luck. that because I don't think, yeah, good luck. Yeah. yeah they don't I'm, have... I'm thinking it's going to be, no, they don't have that. And I think it's going to be another Frida story coming mm. that's my feeling you know yeah that tom and alessandro were very strong personalities with very distinctive universes and these people him and frida they're gonna be about you know product product and just right. pushing that yeah that's yeah what it's gonna yeah, be yeah. About. yeah no it's true but and, and i uh what i was trying to say they don't have the self-affair to be the next uh uh, and Gucci can produce really high quality clothes. They they have the manufacturing, but it's not yeah. Hermes, you know. And they're already trying to turn Bottega into Hermes, and that was mm -hmm. always the idea, I think. Uh, yeah. But it's not working. I know it's not working. I know it's yeah. not selling. And Vuitton they is also trying to become Hermes as well. I mean, they're trying to do that with the bags. You know, they're introducing mm -hmm. bags that are more and more expensive, but they just cannot match that level of craftsmanship. They don't have the aura that Hermes yeah. has, you know, so in a way it's funny because all of them are trying to be Hermes and, and they can't, yeah. they, they fail, they fail trying yeah. to be, you know. So exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and I also think there are, perhaps I could be wrong, but I've been thinking that perhaps there is not enough market for another Hermes, another Chanel, another Dior. We already mm -hmm. have those brands. Uh, and yeah, those exactly. brands do really well. And so maybe there is not enough um, market for that as well for those brands because I think all the caring efforts have been failing. Um, 
I do think they fired the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I mean, you know my pre- what my preference would have been. But my understanding of Gucci is that it always has this sort of, you know, macho tackiness. So it has this kind of underlining louche thing about it. So it's always, you know, it's it can mm-hmm. be chic, but at the same time, it's a bit show off, you know, it's a yeah. bit, it has this kind of quality. And I think the maybe the main criticism directed towards uh, Alessandro Michele's vision is that there was no sex in it, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> <The and> zero. <laughs> exactly. So maybe they want to bring that back uh, because some people have been missing that. And I think Gucci, stands for that but i don't know how they're going to do this with a sort of hermes like idea behind it i don't know how they mm-hmm. will manage but we'll see yeah we'll see yeah. what comes yeah, out of yeah it. no exactly and i get to go back to my earlier point the point is uh today most luxury fashion is mass market fashion at the same time those companies need the middle class uh and what i, I guess what i was trying to formulate it's there are only perhaps a few brands that can get away catering to the truly wealthy because Dior is already mass market. Uh, it is. Yeah. Chanel on some level, but it's mostly you know upper middle class, the rich. Hermes is mostly the rich. You know, they do very well with perfumes and makeup of now that they have, of course, but. Mm-hmm. They're only all the other brands need the middle class. They need the mass yeah. consumer. They they can't you know especially caring uh, LVMH. They're publicly listed, so they need volume. I just don't see how the strategy of going upscale will work for them. So I think they're making a mistake. Like you cut out the you know, and, and I've read and I've heard already complaints. Um, that mm-hmm. like but it's not doing it for bottega like you jacked up your prices 30 percent overnight uh the lock boots that used to call used to cost in the us eleven hundred dollars are now mm-hmm. fourteen hundred dollars it's the same boot yeah um and yeah, what's even the justification yeah. Exactly. And even I've heard some rich people or some rich clients are like, uh, well, sorry, like this is not worth it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was a mistake to fire Michele because he, he did have vision. I, I mean, it's a vision I it hated, was too but early. it was a vision. <laughs> I think it was too early. I think he could have stayed there perhaps another couple of years and they could have prepared the succession a bit better. I think Mm -hmm. it was messy. And I think also, you know, um, the funny thing is that people were beginning to develop some sort of attachment towards him and towards his language. And I think that's something that obviously threatens uh, the shareholders and it threatens the management because they don't want that anymore. So we end mm-hmm. up with, you know, assistants of assistants or studio directors promoted to these big jobs because they don't, they just want unknowns. That's really what they're into. Mm-hmm. And they're really trying not to develop that cult of, of uh, personality that we have for other independent brands. Because, you know, when it comes to, 
Dries, when it comes to Rick, when it comes to all these people, I mean, it's about them. It's about their personality, their character. Right. And uh, yeah, they, they're doing exactly the opposite. That's what luxury, so-called luxury fashion is today. It's becoming more and more anonymous and more and more generic, exactly because of what you said, because it's a mass product, you know? It has become mm -hmm. mass. Yeah, yeah, it's merch, basically. It's, it's interesting exactly. what you're it's saying. Product. Yeah, because I am in the middle of writing an article exactly about that. So actually, maybe um, this, it, it's really interesting to hear that you're thinking along the same lines. Mm -hmm. um, but I like what you're saying that maybe maybe the management doesn't want it, that they didn't want Gucci to become to sort of to 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 develop a look, feel, reputation that's too closely tied to Michele. Yes, and they don't uh, want the, con the consumer to develop an emotional attachment with mm -hmm. the designer. They don't mm -hmm. want that. That for them is, is a threat. It threatens mm -hmm. the brand because it makes the brand dependent on that designer, you know. And for example, if you look at Galliano and if you look at how much love there was for Galliano when he was at Dior, uh, and also, you know, despite everything that happened when he came back to Margiela, there was still that feeling that people still cared and loved him, you know. It's exactly what they're trying to avoid. So mm. they're, um, they're trying to make those designers less personable in a way, you know, less mm -hmm. relatable. And mm -hmm. that's exactly what you get with Virginie and Maya Grazia because yeah. Virginie doesn't talk to the press. She sells everything, <laughs> you know, everything right. sells. Maya Grazia is the same, but there's no, you know, there's no interaction with the press. You don't see them on television. They hardly do interviews. And that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. Just do your job, sell the products, and shut up. You know, yeah. That that's what it is now. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very sad moment for these so-called mm -hmm. luxury groups because personality is just fading away. It's fading yeah. away. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's as we didn't very well know. This is bad for fashion. And at the end of the day, I think they're not thinking long term enough because it's bad for them. Because if people stop being interested in fashion in general, it will mm -hmm. affect their sales too. So it while will. they're they're busy blending their brands, like Louis Louis Vuitton is the prime example, right? Like what yeah. is Louis Vuitton? Like nobody I mean, cares looked, about. Look at what Virgil brought. I mean, he actually brought a human voice that a lot of people could relate to. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that sort of that voice that he had and that impact that he had was yeah. huge. You know, and that's what turned Vuitton into success. So I think it's the arrogance of those brands thinking that they don't need human beings, and right. that very soon, you know, with with all the algorithms, with all the data and all all the figures they're trying to steal everywhere, they can design collections themselves. It's actually really bad, and I feel that the way. The whole Alessandro thing was handled, was mm -hmm. really, you know, really crass and, and really uh, disrespectful. I think they could have maybe tried to do this in a different way. But uh, yeah, it was just very, um, very sad, you know, in a way how they just simply told, oh, they were like, okay, you don't want to change your aesthetics, then you go to hell, you know? Right. Here's the door, right. you know, ciao. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah, yeah, it's a... Uh... Uh, it's all about the brand. And I also, I can't help but wish that 
And my hope is that also a new generation of consumers will come and will say, you know what, this is overpriced garbage. Why are we spending our money on it? But I feel like as long as they are opening up new markets and as long as there is people coming out of poverty, what I'm trying to say, as long as there's aspirational consumption, I think these brands Mm. are going to thrive. But not all of them because... You know, we have a great example at Givenchy that's not working, you know, hiring a hype designer. The menswear is kind of selling because it's the same sort of this like elevated streetwear stuff with logos on it. But mm-hmm. no one cares about the women's like that's not doing. No, well and there's no I mean, there's absolutely no storytelling at Givenchy. The brand doesn't mean anything anymore. When Ricardo Tisci was there, you had a, a distinct understanding of what it was. It was this idea of the street mixed with couture. I mean, and they were still showing haute couture, you know, so there was this idea of something more urban mixed with something more refined. And the direction was very clear. And I feel that they just never recovered from that because, you know, Claire was doing a horrible job and these were collections run by marketing teams, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, And Matthew didn't manage either. You know, but there will be yeah. changes at Givenchy, and soon somebody is going to be named. So we will see what yeah. Um, yeah. happens. Yeah. But but do you think they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel? These big brands, like they're running out of designers. Like who? You know, I think of like who will replace Virgil? It's got to be Amiri, right? I mean, if they want someone who like sells the same kind of elevated streetwear. Uh, yeah, and I know people are cringing, and believe me, I am cringing too, even though my camera is off. But this is where we are. Like, Mike Amiri seems like the most logical choice, don't you think? I I don't know. I mean, I can just tell you that this last Vuitton collection was a complete mess. Oh that God. it was laughable. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, it looked like fancy dress costumes and it was it was tacky it was really really bad and they obviously need to put someone there that has a real understanding of luxury you know or at least Mm -hmm. something more modern because that was that was very embarrassing uh what we saw in uh, in paris but i don't know i mean to be honest with you it could be anybody at this point it's very hard to predict Who's mm-hmm. going to go there? People talked about Grace. They talked about, uh, you know, different different names. But it depends. I think what they wanted to do with Givenchy and Matthew was a Virgil number two. So they thought, okay, right. let's hire someone who's in the right circles. That's going to bring us the following and we will sell. And they failed. And mm-hmm. I think in a way, you know, it's a nice reminder that sometimes in fashion houses, you need actual designers, you yeah, know, and you need yeah. people that can actually make clothes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, and sell them. So, you know, in a way, I think they made they make mistakes. Like, like you yeah. know, I mean, they make mistakes. I mean, they, they sure. Do, so it's. Um, I yeah. can't help but wonder if you know Matthew Givenchy is sending a powerful signal to the industry that sorry, you can't go on by. Uh, hype alone Mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's why it's taking so long to find a replacement for virgil 
where they're like, well, if if I mean, if Matthew's not working, then who's gonna work? Is 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 Amiri but, gonna work? Is Jerry you, Lorenzo gonna work? Don't but don't know. you even feel that the whole hype machine is getting tired somehow, and that people are also sick of that, and that right now they're looking for something that feels a little bit more authentic or a little bit more sincere, and it's not about you know everyone else telling you you have to buy this. It's more about what you're searching for yourself. I'm telling you this because I had a very, it was funny, the, the only time I got really excited during Paris Fashion Week was at Dries von Norton show. I mean, I literally mm -hmm. had shivers watching the show. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what great fashion is. You know, it's great clothes, it's a mood, it's an event, it's a setting, it's live music, it's an emotion. And then I kept thinking, wow, he can make great clothes that don't make men look stupid. You know, right. nothing in the collection looks gimmicky. Nothing looks out of place. It's all wearable, but it's creative and it has, it has a soul and it has a taste. And I felt, yes, this is exactly what fashion is. You know, mm -hmm. and it's the difference between garments and fashion, clothing exactly. and fashion. It it's that extra edge, you know, that you yeah. get from it. And yeah. and I have to say, he got the balance exactly right, you know. And I felt, yeah, mm -hmm. this is what I want, or even color as well. I felt that the collection was oh, super yeah. strong. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's people that are very focused with designing original clothes, but at the same time, uh, they're not turning their consumers into clowns. You know, there's a respect for the person who wears the garments. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very, very exciting for me. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the new hype. You know, we have yeah. to hope that it's going to be the new hype yeah. because, yeah, the traditional methods are not working anymore. Yeah, uh, I wish... I shared your enthusiasm, <laughs> but I'm afraid <laughs> that I don't. And this is what I wrote in my Heist Nobody post, uh, where I was like, okay, everyone is saying no more elevated streetwear, no more logos. Uh, we're not going to put that on the runway anymore. Mm -hmm. Great. I am all for it. But then there is the reality. There is the reality of what uh, that. Uh, fashion is a mass phenomenon that most people want a very safe version of what they already have, but they have money to buy an elevated version of it. Mm -hmm. They want logos because they're aspirational and it, and it's uh, all about Instagram and showing off your newfound status. And so I feel while that remains the driving force, I really don't know how we get away from this logo mania. I hope you're right. I would love it for me to be the case, but but I'm not convinced. Um, I'm really not convinced. Do you know um, how we get away from it, actually? Because I can tell you how we get away from it by looking at clothes that are actually not lazy clothes. And what mm -hmm. I mean by this is that you can tell when you go to a show and somebody has done their work. Oh, They've yeah. They've actually worked on designing something. Oh, yeah. That is a new, a new proposition, you know, and that's, I think that's where you find, uh, you find the difference. And that's where you find people who have a true impact. Now, maybe 
people need to be educated and they need to understand that yes. better. They need to understand why a collection pushes the envelope more than another. But at the same time, I was happy to see this season that some designers actually worked. They really worked and they were mm -hmm. really searching for something, something new, and they were looking for alternatives. And they were looking for something that feels contemporary without being uh, negative or pessimistic. You know, a lot of people praised the Saint Laurent show. It was right. beautiful. And it, the, the, I mean, the cuts were very sharp. It had this sort of early Edith Sliman androgyny sort of mm -hmm. vibe about it. But at the same time, it was very somber. It was a, quite a, yeah. a sad message. And that's not really what I wanted to see uh, this mm. season, but I can mm -hmm. I can understand that a lot of people praised it. So people like Dries and I think Rick and, and Color and all these designers, I think they really offer something that is a bit more joyful yeah. Uh, yeah. and creative for men to wear. And I think maybe this creative artistic guy is coming back again you know this kind of this kind of character so i'm curious yeah. to see uh, i hope if it so happens. Yeah. yeah i i really hope so um so i had a bit of reverse reactions to uh saint laurent and to dries uh, then from you mm -hmm. i thought saint laurent was really very very elegant and I really yeah. loved it. And that's what ads you used to give us, right? Sort of elegance with an edge. And now it's like the reverse. I was walking in Paris and I saw uh, a Celine ad on the bus stop. Uh, it was like it was a kid in white blue jeans and like Celine underwear with a skateboard, like on the edge yeah, of an empty for, pool. And yeah. I was like, this is Stussy. <laughs> like this, yeah, it's really. Yeah, and the, the women's is Forever 21 or yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Uh, yeah. But Saint Laurent, yeah. I thought, I thought it was to me, I understand how you can see it as somber. Totally, mm -hmm. it's a totally valid uh, reaction. To me, it was just very, very elegant. And of it was course, very you elevated. Know, yeah. Very elevated. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. And of course, you know me. I see black and I'm... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're happy. Yeah. No, no. I mean, that's the thing. I will... You know, there's no criticism towards the collection itself. And I think it was beautifully executed. I just think that for me, it reminded me too much of what Hedy uh, did at Saint Laurent at the end of the 90s. Yeah. And, Which no um, one remembers. No one remembers no, how good no, that was. It was really great. Yeah. And I think in a way, Hedy did it better. So mm -hmm. for me, it felt it was tapping into that spirit. But somehow, uh, I think Hedy's vision at the time was more powerful. But it's interesting, this thing about androgyny as well. Because it's no longer about being genderless or sexless or unisex. It's more about being androgynous. And I think there was that spirit in the Saint Laurent show. So I'm curious yes. to see if he does that for, for women as well. You know, yeah. if he reverses it yeah. uh, the other way. But yeah, yeah was... I hope so. And it's funny. I, I just, I wrote about it in my uh, reviews of the shows that I really think like we need to bring androgyny back we bring we need mm -hmm. to bring back that word you know in androgyny meaning yeah. a combination of masculine and feminine traits yes. and not and not this lazy 
exercise and gender fluidity. Like, oh, we're just going to put a skinny boy in a lacy skirt. Yeah. And that's that. That's that to me is lazy and actually boring by now. It is. It is. And I think in a way, you know, it's uh, the, the great thing about androgyny is ambiguity. Exactly. You know, it's something that is very exciting on an intellectual level because uh, it sort of puzzles you and you're not sure what you're looking at and it creates a sort of trouble, you know, it creates exactly. a sort of emotion, which is interesting. So I completely agree with you. I think it's definitely something that could come back in fashion, mm -hmm. you know, this desire to to be more ambiguous in a, in a subtle way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And I, I feel like ambiguity is such a, key component to all art that mm -hmm. that's what makes it interesting because that's at the end of the day that's what makes you think a black and white world doesn't make you think it's it's really ambiguity that's what makes you think and the world is full of ambiguity and this kind of yes. complexity it is and i yeah mm -hmm. and also deconstruction that's i don't know if you noticed but there was a lot of deconstruction on mm -hmm. the on the runways and particularly color i thought their version was yeah. brilliant you know how they can add things on garments and twist them and expand on them and they become something else and that felt very arty but in a nice way it was almost kind of it had a, a sort of nonchalance about it that mm -hmm. i liked you know like mm -hmm. somebody who doesn't really care about what they're wearing, but at the same time, everything they have on their back is really intricate, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I like that. I like that feeling. Yeah, it was, I felt it was very refined, but smart at the same time. Mm. Me so, too, uh, me too. I thought yeah. it was a quiet masterpiece of the entire fashion week. And I wish uh, more editors would pick up on that. But of course, Color is just one independent Japanese brand. Yeah. that doesn't advertise so why would they right uh, true true but, but it, it's, yeah, it's a shame a i mean collection. i was i really loved it and i was very happy to be there and it's actually a show that i truly enjoy and it was also intimate and there were not a lot of people there but i think i don't know it just it was uh, realistic and at the same time there was an element of fantasy and mm -hmm. that's what I like about Dries as well. He does that really well. You know, he delivers the romance and the fantasy, but at the same time, it, it remains pragmatic and it, it's yes. rooted in reality. So that's sort of what I wanted to see from menswear, but not many designers managed to reach that balance. You know, it was quite difficult yeah. uh, to find. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um I was not as excited about Dries as you were. I thought it was a good collection. I didn't think it was outstanding. And I was wondering why, because I liked the presentation. I liked the live music and there was energy there for sure. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't quite put my finger in the first few days after the show. And I kept thinking, why didn't it strike me like the way it did you and i think the answer i come up came up on there were quite a few disparate themes in terms of say um graphics for example mm -hmm. or silhouettes etc but i feel they weren't mined deep enough and Dries is very very good at taking this one thing uh, in the same way, like Junior is also very good, right? At taking this one thing and making 
many versions of it and building a narrative, a story around it. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, Dries like switched it up on on us a little bit too many times in this collection. So that was my impression. But I thought it was still a very good, good outing. I think it's sort of, I mean, it started quite rigorous and it started quite plain. And then it was building up towards the prints. And actually went, I did a recess. So I went to the showroom and I, mm-hmm. I looked at the clothes and I looked at some of the prints and fabrications and everything. Also the accessories. And the collection was really strong. I mean, it was, there were a lot of things that different guys could wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, for me, it's about the mix, you know, it's about how he mixes things and how yes. he manages to be daring, but it's never a fashion victimy, you know, and right. that's what I felt with this show. And, and I got, I also got emotional watching. I don't know why, but it was the combination of the music and the models and the pace of it. It was, you know, this kind of jungle music as well. It was kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I Mm -hmm. think it it would appeal to a lot of young guys as well. And I think that's the challenge for him because he has that audience in younger men, but he still needs to find it for women, you know? Yes. uh, It was, for me, it was, uh, no, it was a great classic tasteful dress show it's true that you know it wasn't like a, a major collection but at the same time it delivered enough emotion for me and enough substance to be happy yeah and uh and i just felt it i just felt great uh watching it it was exciting and i was happy you know mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. yeah what uh, what did you was, think of yoji because he is another like great uh, old master, let's say, who I think's been pretty good at attracting a new generation of young men, but not of young women. Um, I feel like he's in the same predicament as yes. Dries. Uh, but what did you think of his show? I, I like the show, but at the same time, I, I couldn't see anything unusual or new or unfamiliar. I think, right. you know, it's... He does it super well, and I think his vision uh, of this guy is, is very sound and very consistent, but I didn't see anything that I thought, oh, this is a new message here, you know, or there's mm-hmm. something uh, special he's trying to say. Uh, and also, I agree with you on the on the men's-women's uh, dichotomy, because I, f- I remember watching one of his women's shows, I think, just before the pandemic, and, and it felt very very funeral-like, very slow, very solemn, very sad. (laughs) And I just don't think it's very current. Uh, So maybe there's also something about the way that the collections are presented, which feels a bit, you know, old-fashioned. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I agree with your assessment of this collection. Again, I thought, good, not great. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, listen, it's Yoji. It's never going to be bad in terms yeah. of men's clothes because he knows exactly what he's doing. He's incredible at uh, mining this aesthetic to the depths that like, you feel like, when is this, how deep can this mine go? And it just goes deeper and deeper. Uh, and it's kind of incredible uh, because it takes a unique talent to do that. But I agree that this uh, collection 
yeah, it, it didn't sort of set my heart racing. Uh, what I did like was the inspiration for this collection, which was uh, the Silk Road and mm-hmm. all the cultures that the Silk Road united and yes. how different clothes-making methods traveled from one culture to another, were borrowed, intermingled. And it was a similar thing that Yan Yan did, and this is what I mentioned earlier. And I love yeah. the way Yoji, again, very quietly, but said, look, cultures have always intermingled. Cultures have always borrowed from each other. Cultures have always influenced each other. And it was, was his quiet push back against this whole uh, cultural appropriation narrative. Um, and I felt it there mm-hmm. and I felt it, it's not that I felt it with Rick, but Rick mentioned it explicitly in his press release uh, where he said this collection is a reaction of against the snap judgments that happen on social media. And I thought okay. it was quite brave of him to say that even yeah, if i didn't really statement. see it in the clothes <laughs> but you know it's it's funny because when i hear you uh, talk about yoji and the collection in a way what you're saying is that it was a season where people delivered and they they did give us substantial clothes and they did give us interesting stories but there was nothing outstanding right and i feel i feel the same way in that sense you know i feel that uh, there was nothing that sort of um, that sort of really. I didn't feel like nobody was really pushing themselves that much. I mm-hmm. think they were like in familiar territories, and they were they were looking for different things, and they did it really well. And it was it was coherent, and there was a direction. But at the same time, I didn't feel like they were uh, experimenting too much or being being adventurous, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think maybe it's a reflection of the times that we're in. I mean, it, it's it, it is a tough period also yeah. for, for retail, and uh, and some people played it a bit safe, you know. So maybe yeah. that's the feeling that we got as well as press that we were being served more or less some things that we have seen before, you know. So mm-hmm. with more or less yeah. conviction, depending on on the designer. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I have a feeling it you're talking not- about Rick here. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of, uh, I'm not going to say more of the same because there were things that I found interesting, like all these volumes and, and overblown puffed up things. I thought they were quite, quite nice and everything, but you know, there are a lot of elements that we've seen already. So right. how do you sort of evolve that aesthetic? How do you take it to the next step? How do you make it fresh again? You know, and what mm-hmm. do you do? But of course, I mean, with the most utter respect that I have for him as a, as a person and the consistency and and the courage that he has as a designer, of course, you know, I mean, that doesn't take anything away. But uh, yeah, there was there were no kind of you know there were no fireworks this time, right? Nowhere, right? But it was right. sort of you know, I that that I felt that emotion. I don't know for whatever reason, at least there was this moment of emotion that I felt, and I think it was because to me it felt joyful and it felt like a positive collection, and it felt like you know many men could find something to love, and that made me happy in a way, and. Yeah, because, you know, overall, mm-hmm. I found Paris very, very dark somehow. I found the vibe and the energy in Paris quite gloomy. So it was yeah. nice to see uh, to see that sort of close, you know, that, that kind yeah. of world. 
Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except the ore, which offered so radically new. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I you know what? I don't even. I don't even look at it. I mean, it's like, it's like Fendi, you know, it's like, I mean, I know exactly what I'm going to see. Like it's the Fendi couture. I know it's going to be more Romeo Gigli ripoffs and whatever. I don't want to look at it. You know, it's like, I'm not interested. And, you know, at the moment, again, there's like this copy story is raging again. You know, I mean, we saw it yeah. with, with Hyder and Yorgi and that was really, really disappointing. It was. And that was, it was, you know, and, and I know Yorgi, and I think for him, it must have been quite difficult to, to write about it and, and, you know, to, to talk about it openly to everyone. But I mean, I'm glad he did because that was kind of disgusting, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. I no, just, I agree. Um, I agree. You know, it's, uh, and that's the thing with, with couture, strangely, I kept thinking, so what is couture about? You know, creating more controversy, creating more scandals, getting noticed mm-hmm. on social media, and then nobody really looks at the craft. Nobody really looks at the clothes. And I just felt, what's the point of it? You know, it's just like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day. So uh, I was a bit disappointed by that too. No. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. And you know what I've been thinking lately, uh, except the fact that there seems to be no end to Kim Jones's pretentiousness. <laughs> like, really? He had Robert Pattinson and Gwendolyn Christie recite The Wasteland during oh the God. show. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then you just see a bunch of blend clothes. But it's like, I've been seeing it last year. So it's like, literature is the new frontier now but mm. we, as with Dior as it was with Schiaparelli I was like where is the connection between the books you're referencing and the clothes and there yeah. isn't yeah. so you can't just arbitrarily like it, it doesn't just because you say there is a connection it doesn't mean there isn't one and Hmm. I just wish like it was just stop being so pretentious and try like it used to be all about art and now that they have thoroughly conquered the art world it's now like they're going for literature and I'm like especially with Jones I'm like please stop showing off that you read books fine it's like it's pearls before swine yeah so first of all your audience doesn't care nobody cares no second of all you are not these are not like you you are not cutting it into the clothes no it's true and i think you know i I, there were people like raving about you know maria grazia's collection and people raving about hyder's collection for example before they found out you know he was ripping off other people and there wasn't much gautier in there actually which was funny uh but you know it's like raving about this raving about that and i and i sort of took a back step and i was like watching all these reactions and i I just felt come on you know i mean are are you trying so hard to be excited about something which at the end of the day is not that exciting so i don't know i just exactly uh, yeah I was disappointed. I was also disappointed by Valentino this time. Also, mm-hmm. um, I didn't feel it at all. But yeah, it's uh, it's a very strange moment. You know, as I said, I don't think anybody's taking risks. Anybody's being bold or adventurous because it's not the time to be this way. Yeah. And um, 
we're still waiting for the saviors. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> rebels. I mean, the people yeah. that are really going to to shake fashion off in a strong way and and really, um, yeah, be a bit rebellious. You know, this, mm -hmm. uh, where are the rebels now? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I I don't know. Well, this yeah, it's they're they're only self-proclaimed rebels, right? Yeah, <laughs> true, um, true. Or or self self-proclaimed -pro uh, successes like like Ludovic de Saint Serna. I mean, that's kind mm -hmm. of it's become quite quite funny. This thing. I mean, it's like what a joke. This collection was a joke. But you know what? It's almost in a way it becomes amusing because he's so into it. And he's so convinced that it's amazing <laughs> yeah, it's that, true. you know, you just, I mean, you just cannot, there's nothing you can say. I mean, you just kind of thinking, okay, this is like a total, it's a complete ego trip, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm very curious to see what he's going to do, of course, for Anne de Melemester. And then I'm thinking, what is it that they want? What kind of client do they want to bring to that brand? Um, yeah. So I, I really do not know what to expect, but okay. We'll find out in March. Yes, we will find out in March. But it's uh, uh, it's quite scary. <laughs> you know, it's quite yeah. quite frightening. But okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am. Um, I know, I, I know. know. And I'm just like, I'm just so tired of designers going on about their community. I'm just like, just shut the fuck up. Like, everyone <laughs> yeah. has a community. You know, but like... you know, in a funny way, that's sort of what we were saying before, that these people are gathering fans around them. And in a way, as independent designers, they have to do that. Otherwise, they do not seduce the corporate world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly what Demna did with Vetement. And if you think about Jack Moose as well, his huge commercial right. success also depends on how much of his life he's willing to share on social media. And everything becomes a media event from the wedding to the store opening, Avenue Montaigne, etc. So they are celebrities, you know, in a funny yeah. way. And yeah. I think... Like, you know, it sort of contradicts what we said before about the mass brands, that the mass brands are pushing the character and the individuality of the designers away. But the independent mm -hmm. designers are, you know, going for this fan-based narrative. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, with what goal? I don't know. Because at the end of the day, it could be the Vetement story all over again. And all they want to do is use that to get into the corporate world. I, I don't know. You know, this is yeah. where we have to wait and see what game they're playing. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I find this mm -hmm. cult of the designer, you know, yeah, how, uh, how alive it's going to be and for how long. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree. I, I think it will be... I'm curious to see how it develops, but in a way, this is uh, sort of the close become beside the point because, yeah, we, we're going to broadcast our lives on the internet and our, and, and that will help us sell the rather yeah. generic clothes because, like, I mean, what are Jacquemus' clothes? It's, it's, 
it's kind of a joke to be honest yeah but you know he's i mean he's commercially is extremely powerful now mm -hmm. i mean his turnover is is growing and of course he did all these like tiny bags that that sold out everywhere they were extremely popular and yeah. that's what teenage girls want now you know they want a jacquemus bag so he's a celebrity and mm -hmm. in a funny way you know it, it, it it's funny because it reminds me of being a teenager myself, you know, and thinking about Gautier or Montana or Mugler as stars, you know, and that yeah. you wanted to know more about their lives and who they were hanging out with, what celebrities were their friends, who they were dating, whatever. But you had this curiosity for the designer. And of course, you know, it's, we're not talking the same levels <laughs> of fashion, but yeah. I mean, if I was a 14-year-old today, who would I idolize? You know, I think that's an interesting sure. question. I don't think I would idolize Virginie at at uh, at Chanel because she gives me nothing. You know, I don't right. think I would fantasize about her. I would probably fantasize about about Simon Jacquemus or, or Ludovic, you know, mm -hmm. and their fabulous mm -hmm. lives. I don't know. But you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's true. yeah, it's They're a like funny a, one. They're influencers it's for design. <laughs> Yeah, and it's this idea of, of, you know, designers and their fans, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I find that quite interesting because to me, it's still part of fashion and it can be a positive thing. I mean, if you think about Margiela, a lot of people entered his world through the clothing and they became, they were converted, you know, in a right. way. And, and you could say the same about Rick, you know, there are people who are very, exactly. very, they are firm believers in him, you know, so, mm -hmm. uh, and fashion needs that in a strange way, but where is it taking us and who is using it now? I don't know. So yeah. that's an interesting yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But with people like with Rick, who is a wonderful example and also who's that sprung to my mind there is design there and there is a universe that's not built in like in two dimension you know it's not a potemkin village <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say that's true but at the same time look at the mass luxury brands and how empty they are and how empty the discourses and how there's no personality maybe that explains why designers like ludovic etc are successful you know with a certain audience yeah because they're offering personality so to speak you know right they're offering something that is this community discourse or whatever they're offering a much more personal point of view and it's all about their friends their surroundings their entourage so it is about community and you know that's not what Dior is about and that's not what Chanel is about and that's not what Hermes no. is about. So in a way, it's kind of interesting how these new designers are using themselves uh, to become to become bigger and more popular, you know, and eventually to get jobs like Ludovic getting this Andermelemester job. I mean, it's bizarre, right? But yeah. it's okay. There has to be an intention behind it, you know. There has to be yeah. something that uh, Anne wants to achieve. I don't know what they want to achieve, but yeah, it's definitely a strategy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Well, you know, they're gunning for the young consumer. Perhaps they have given up on the on Anne's traditional consumer. I yes. don't know if it's the right strategy. That, that, that consumer still exists. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they need to think about the future and the relevance of the brand. And you know, it's. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about survival, right? That's what mm -hmm. it's all about. Yeah, yeah. it's about surviving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what did you think of like the rest of the Japanese of like the Sakai, Junior, Calm? I don't know if you got to see Undercover's lookbook. Um, yes, yeah, Sakai. I looked at the collection. I didn't go to the show. I looked at the collection, and it was beautiful, but nothing new there or unexpected. Mm. Um, so sa- you know, same as was... the narrative, as the mood that you have gathered, like yeah, giving you pretty much so, yeah, giving you the greatest hits and. And then Reliable. come the garçon, there was some interesting tailoring, but sometimes the styling was also a bit gimmicky. And again, it was a bit clownish. But, you know, we talked about this before. Yeah. And uh, and Unia was quite pared down, I, f- I felt, this time. It was, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of suits, a lot of, like, three-button jackets, quite sharp. So there wasn't any strong statements coming from any of these, I felt. You know, there was nothing provocative or nothing that confrontational coming from them yeah uh, and in a way i would have expected that at least from com and mm. uh, and Unia, you know so i was a bit surprised yeah yeah uh, yeah um i did like com's idea if not the execution and the idea was mm-hmm. avant-garde tailoring and i thought like yeah, yeah it, it's nice for uh you know uh mom ray to come in there and and remind everyone who started it all (laughs) (laughs) so i was like yeah i was like yeah good on you um and yeah some of the execution were pretty cool like the tubular structures um some of the jackets were really beautiful i have to say yeah there were some yeah. really beautiful beautifully constructed pieces yeah, yeah. definitely but yeah. you had to take them away from everything else you know you had to isolate them from the rest of the, the exactly no. yeah and with junior he was gunning exactly for the impression that you got because he discovered this brand uh in around with with whom I've been friends for a very long time. So it was nice to see them discovered. So all the bags that you saw, all the these futuristic plastic contraptions, Junior mm-hmm. wanted it to be the centerpiece of the collection. So he just basically brought out a lot of archival clothes. There was, like you said, there, it was pared down, not a lot of newness in order to give almost like a backdrop a canvas for this collaboration okay um i don't know you know if it was a success or not there were some pieces which i was happy that he resurrected uh like the biker pieces from that collection that i love fall winter 2006 but Mm -hmm. um at the same time yeah i agree i was just happy that like at least we got for one season we got respite from the uh Workwear. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So I was, I was like, I'll, was take, a lot it. Of I'll ta- take that. There was a lot of tailoring, but you know, this whole this whole problem with tailoring is okay. Who's buying it today? I mean, that's the thing. Exactly. Like, what what kind of fashion consumer buys tailoring? Yeah, and especially exactly. suiting. I mean, I haven't touched a suit for probably fifteen years. You know, same. So uh, I have no idea who's going to buy that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. but maybe. There are twenty-year-old guys who want to look smart, sharp, and the suit is is the way to go. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. I also I don't think Junior is for twenty-year-old. I think Junior knows his clientele very well, and I think his clientele starts at forty. 
You know, it's like aging yeah. hipsters. This is what I wrote once. What do aging hipsters <laughs> wear? They wear junior. Yes. Uh, and I think that's fine. I think it's great to cater to your audience and know your audience. And yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, there was not a lot of newness. And I, yeah, I agree on the suiting. And it goes back to my earlier point. Like, well, you can put all the suiting on the runway you want. Let's see, mm-hmm. let's go back and look what men wear in the street and in real life. Yeah, yeah you're right, so, you're right. Yeah. Um, Sakai I quite liked. Uh, yeah, we saw quite a few of those silhouettes and garments before. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of new things that I thought was really cool, like reworked dresses. There was like a dress jacket. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. There were a couple of dresses where you could imagine it was sort of a spiral and then the bottom of the spiral was left off and became a train and it looked okay. really beautiful especially in motion um mm-hmm. i loved the inspiration which was christopher nolan's film interstellar mm-hmm. um i actually really liked the carhartt collab um and these are this is what i also love about when junior collabs collaborates it's not just two logos being mashed together it's like like for example if he goes to levi's actual research and development yeah yeah, exactly exactly he'll say like i will take your fabrics and i will marry them with my pattern making Mm -hmm. and that's what Mm -hmm. happened that's how it was with sakai i was like oh it's cool to take all this carhartt canvas and like make you know dresses out of it and skirts um, and tell me, what did you think about Le Maire? Because it was it, the collection, I think the presentation of the collection was quite nice. And I'd be curious to know what you think about this whole look that he's, you know, he's famous for now. What yeah, do you think about it, it? it's funny because I used to be uh, bored senseless by Le Maire. <laughs> uh, and, and in the past couple of years i'm mm-hmm. calm i'm starting to dig it i think the styling has changed a bit i think it's a bit more i think it's stronger in terms of we're not just going to give you minimalism uh or yeah. like we're going to give you volume shape but it feels the styling feels a little bit there's a bit more to chew on there than it's before. more elevated I find. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more complicated it's more like here's something more to think about whereas before it was like it's more fashion he, actually mm-hmm, if you think mm-hmm, about it you know yeah. because he used to be anti-fashion and he used to be really against this idea of doing fashion collections but now it feels more fashion to me Yeah, and and it is a look, and it's kind of a it's a grown up look, which I like. uh, Which was also what I liked at Hermes. I was like, oh, clothes for adults, that's nice. Yeah. Um, And what I liked about Lemaire here, yeah, it was like you know, clothing for people who have nothing to prove was very adult, very refined, mm-hmm. but not boring. So yeah. I, I think also styling did the trick for me. I will say what my problem with Lemaire is, and it, it's not like I wear it, I don't. Um his prices have gone up in the past couple of years and now they're in line with many other designers. 
And attraction of Le Maire it's used true. to be, I think it was like 30% less. So yeah. it's like for people who are more, say, sensible and less fashion victim-y, but it was also reflected, like his fabrics are not very luxe. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it now and I'm like, you charging what for this? But don't you think it's the same thing that happened with acne? That it used mm -hmm. to be, you 100%. know, like a sun look. Yeah, yeah. And now they really turned it into like, I mean, you look at the pricing of acne now, it, it's like any kind of luxury brand. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but I heard that uh, Le Maire sells really well in China and that he's got a lot mm -hmm. of fans there, which doesn't surprise me because I think what he's very good at is selling this idea of Frenchness, you know, of yes. French style. But of course, nobody dresses like that in Paris except <laughs> yeah, him, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but he's very good at, at, at sort of translating a certain idea of Frenchness, of French elegance into his collection. So yes, he does yes. That, he's that, that he's, so, he's selling that really well. I think mm -hmm. and know, they so. love that in Asia. They love they love it in Japan. Mm -hmm. And of course where Japan goes, China eventually goes and yeah. South Korea eventually goes. Exactly. So I am not surprised. And it's this sort of artful minimalism, you know, and this layering silhouette and this sort of, you know, mixing things together but it's never in your face. Uh, it looks a little mm. bit Sometimes it looks a little bit clumsy, but that's part of the appeal. You know, the exactly. proportions are a bit off. But yeah, I think uh, I think it's interesting. I think he definitely has a strong signature, and you can recognize his silhouette now straight away. You know, yeah. so I think it's uh, it's an achievement considering how long he's been designing for a very long time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That which also kind of goes to show you. And and okay, listen, Le Maire got lucky because he has investment from Uniqlo. I mean, listen, for all mm -hmm. we know, this brand could have been dead ten years ago, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. because it was not popular. Um, but at the same, on the flip side, what I like is this: like, well, every dog will have his day, and it's nice to see someone. Yeah, and you're never gonna see ugly logos and you know, mm -hmm. uh, sort of you know, in your face statements from him either. So we have to respect that. I mean, he's also somebody who's interested in making actual garments, you know, and not Correct. gimmicks and making clothes that people wear. So he could also almost become like the new Jill Sander in a way. Right. You know, right, or exactly. it could be an alternative to the role, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But it's the same sort of family. I see it like it fits with Jill and it fits with the role. And it could fit with some of the Japanese designers as well because he really, he was influenced by Japanese designers a lot. But um, yeah, I like the way that he translates uh, yeah, this certain idea of Frenchness into something contemporary. And it's easy to wear and it's not contrived, you know? That's what I right. like about it. It's, yes. yeah, it's still yeah. approachable. Yeah. But at those prices, mm, you, you have to... <laughs> not you for have everyone. To, <laughs> yes, you have exactly. to give me better fabrication. No, no, I'm sorry. And, and again, I understood the appeal when it was like 30% cheaper than... Uh, I don't know, whatever you want. Then the row. Now mm -hmm. it's like 20% cheaper than the row. And I'm yeah. like, mm, no, like you, like something has to give. It has to be. I mean, the thing and with the doable. row, the thing with the row is that I saw, I saw it recently in Amsterdam. There was a store that, that carries it and they only had a few pieces left 
for men and I touched everything and I have to say the fabrics are I mean they're delirious it's like yes. unbelievable and yeah. and there was hardly anything left and I understand why it's selling because it's luxury as a private experience it's it enhances your life but you wear it you know it and it's for you you know it's a private pleasure and yeah. I really think that they're so smart at tapping into that customer's needs, you know, they know exactly, exactly. what they want. Yeah. And it's about oh, comfort I, I, I totally as well. agree. Yeah. I, you know, and it, it's amazing. I think we should get them on the podcast, Eugene. Yeah, <laughs> never, yeah, we, never gonna happen. Yes. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. Fashion has collectively, and I was thinking about it the other day because I was walking in, in Central Park, um, with Allah and I was like again I thought all these rich older women in sneakers leggings and puffers and I thought what is it is it that they're not interested in fashion anymore or is it that fashion no longer caters to them anymore and I and I don't have a definitive answer for it but i think it's the latter and the row is like uh why did everyone forgot that usually it's the older people who are richer than the younger we're gonna give mm -hmm. let's step into that and then it is so smart because there are a lot yeah. <laughs> there's still a, and they're successful where like for example maybe Dries is used to be successful but maybe not as successful anymore because Dries is still fashion mm -hmm. where the row it's kind of hard to say that is fashion but they have been good at making this uniform for all the rich people who don't really yeah. care about fashion all that much and i feel like or that's maybe the people client. who are scared of fashion you know people who are scared exactly. of fashion but they still want to look polished and current but they don't want to take risks and i think the yeah. raw provides that too you know they give you just that little bit of edge to keep you going but at the same time the basis of it remains traditional and mm -hmm. that's what but i also think their own taste level is very good you know yeah and oh, yeah, that's yeah. reflected in the people that they hire and in the clothes that they produce so they've basically you know they've had access to the best luxury items since childhood and you understand mm -hmm. that because yeah. you see what what they offer in their collection so yeah. I, I i guess this dialogue between them and the final the end consumer is super interesting because there's yeah. an understanding there there's a recognition mm -hmm. you know yeah, yeah. And on that note, uh, I want to say my one of my best, maybe my be my best discovery was this. It was literally on the day before last. Uh, is a brand called Sono. Okay. A and one of the designers used to design menswear for the row. Okay. And I went to see this brand and. I loved it. And I tell you, I'll tell you why. It's again, it's the clothes are very calm, you know, that they're very not screaming fashion at all. Mm -hmm. uh, super comfortable. Not my look, but, you know, it's completely fine. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of style. But man, it was, the fabrics were beautiful yeah. and it was not expensive. And this is just to go back to, 
like this whole narrative, like, oh, everything is so much more expensive now, the raw materials, et cetera, et cetera. You know what? Bullshit. Because if a brand like mm. Sono like can sell a sweater that's half like merino wool, half alpaca, and it's like 400 at retail, and that's it's... incredible like incredible quality and i looked at all their fabrics like all their fabrics are 100 natural minimally processed Mm -hmm. the fibers are either from italy or from england it's all made either in england or in france or in italy and their volumes are very small because it's a small brand but I looked at the level of quality and the prices and I'm like, you know what? If these guys can do it, you can do it too. So I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of this narrative of like, I'm like, no, it's your margins are way too fucking high. You just have to hope that it continues like that with them and that they don't become expensive when they get more famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I got to bring you to the showroom next time. I I think you should check it out. Yeah, definitely Uh, want to see it. Sure. Yeah. Sounds great. You're selling it to me anyway, so it's working. (laughs) I mean, I'll send you their website, but it's really, you know, a website. It doesn't matter. You have to touch the clothes. Of course. But that's the thing also with Yan Yan, you know, it's so nice. I was in the showroom in Paris and you were there too and you could really look at each garment and they were displayed like very nicely and you could touch the fabrics and see everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, there's something comforting about being around designers that at the end of the day want to make the best clothes they possibly can, you know, and to really come out with a beautiful object that you know you're going to keep for a super long time. That's very comforting and it's a nice feeling. And I feel that Yan Yan has that respect, you know, for the for the clothes and for, for his craft. And uh, it's it's very sincere. So again, you know, it's nice to see that there are designers like him, very underrated, that mm-hmm. still want to to produce, you know, just exquisite garments because some of his garments are really, really gorgeous, yeah. you know. And they, uh, they are. And Sono reminded me of that a little bit. I was like, oh, here's a small brand that does these beautiful things. They're very quiet. Yeah. Uh, but they're real beautiful clothes. So it was like, in, in, and it also reminded me of Yan Yan a little bit, not in, not an aesthetic, but in a way that the brand is built. And it was mm-hmm. really like a nice, neat circle for me to, to start with Yan Yan and end with them. Sure. And I feel like on that note, we've covered everything, unless you have something to add that we haven't covered no, I think it's a beautiful way to uh, to end the podcast, you know. And now yes. I'm very curious about seeing that brand myself. So yeah, yeah, it's next a, time it's a good way. It's a good way to end it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Philippe, thank you for joining me again. Um, to you, and until the next time, bye, <laughs> bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Styles I Guys podcast, hosted by Eugene Rapkin, produced by Patrick Leduc, intro and outro music by Wesley Isolt of Cold Cave. Please support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for listening.